Hi, I'm Mike Morris. Welcome to another episode of Open Mic, along with my co-host, Kevin Dietz. Today, we are talking to Assistant Chief Steve Dolent about his 31 years on the police force in Detroit. Some interesting stories you're not going to want to miss. He was also the first person to get the memos about Kwame Kilpatrick, and we're going to talk about those things and a lot, lot more. So stay tuned to a fascinating episode. Joining us this morning is Mike Morris, Detroit's top 30. Mike Morris. Mike Morris is in here to tell us about the backpack giveaway here. Adapt and adapt and change things up a little bit every year. You know, I, I, I was pulling up stuff just that came up with your name. I was... Um, I, I don't think I saw the Kilpatrick stuff before. I don't remember it. You part know, of it. It what happened was um, I just made inspector. Uh, I got an, made inspector, sent me to number one. Okay, it's fine. And then uh, it was like a dream job. I'm like, hey, this is great. I get to work at Tiger Stadium or Comerica Park uh, and Ford Field and the Thanksgiving Day Parade. I'm like, this. I'm going to love downtown. And I was there maybe three or four months. So anyway, they sent me to, um, I had been in charge of discipline. This sucks. So I made a lieutenant, and they took me to the 12th precinct and put me in charge of, okay. Uh, I made a lieutenant, sent me to the 12th precinct, put me in charge of um, special operations and plain clothes officers. Piece of cake, loved it. The administrative lieutenant left from 12. They sent me to, uh, had me do both. And I could read, write, walk, and chew gum at the same time. <laughs> I, I could do it. So after a while, they called me and said, you need to go to discipline. I said, I don't want to go to discipline. I don't know anything about internal affairs, anything. They sent me to uh, the disciplinary section. There was a table longer than this with files this high. So I made dust on them. They said, you got to adjudicate all these. I said, you're kidding me, right? <laughs> and some were six, seven years old because the discipline system in Detroit Police Department was totally... It's terrible. We had two lieutenants who were attorneys, and then we had to deal you know, with the city and then appeals and everything. It was terrible. So then I started administratively dismissing some cases. Anyway, I got it down pat. I heard a guy, this is my sergeant, knocked it out, said, get me out of here. They sent me to homicide, loved it. They had it replaced me, kind of dropped the ball. They sent me back to discipline. Boom. I make inspector out of discipline. I'm like, this is, okay, downtown, great. And Gary Brown comes to me and says, I want you to go to internal affairs. I don't think about internal affairs. I'm, no, thank you. He goes, well, you don't understand. You're going to internal affairs. Okay. I go to internal affairs, and the first day I'm there is a piece of paper. It's a piece of paper. And look at this. And it's about um, some officers from Kwame's uh, staff who got in a car accident and didn't report it and then got the cars fixed on their own. I'm like, Wait, what the hell? Okay, well, I was due for vacation, and before I go on vacation, get another piece of paper from another officer who ended up eventually suing, I can't think of his name offhand, and things are going on with, this, with Kwame's um, personal police staff. Okay, get back from vacation, there's another piece of paper, several pieces of paper about a, a party. Okay, we gotta investigate this. It, something ain't right. I'm here for a reason. I got a sick feeling why I'm here. The other person didn't want to do it, whatever. So I remember I had this thing all down to one memo, three or four pages, and I went to Gary Brown. And if you know Gary, he's an ex-Marine, no-nonsense kind of guy. And uh, he's one of those people that multitasks. And I said, hey, boss, you gotta look at this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of glanced at it, glanced at it, and goes, sit down. Okay. Sat down, he's looking, he goes, are you serious? I said, yeah, that's why I brought it to you. He goes, okay. That night, he uh, took it, I think, to the, uh, he the chief of the mayor, I'm not sure what it was. And a week later, I get a phone call on a Friday night from my uh, deputy chief. He says, be in the chief's office Saturday morning. Okay, what's going on? He goes, I can't tell you. Well, I didn't know they had fired Gary the night before. So I get there Saturday morning, and... Uh, the chief was Jerry Oliver at the time, and he was out of town. And uh, he won a conference call, and he said, uh, are you serious? You're investigating the mayor? I go, well, wait a minute. He goes, no. An amoeba has more sense than to investigate the mayor. What the hell is wrong with you? So I'm, I'm, I'm investigating his, the officers there. They're, they're not following protocol. Who else are you investigating? I said, well, i got other cases internal that, you know, 
One was uh, a city councilman that was uh, uh, involved in the casinos. There was some shady stuff there, we thought. He said, okay. He goes, I want you to go back to your office and come up with all the files that you think I need to see. No problem. So I spent Saturday getting the files together. Came in Monday, denied access to my computer. So that's odd. Denied, denied, denied. I go to my boss, the commander. He goes, well, I'm on. No problem. I said, do you sign off your computer on Friday? He goes, well, no, I never sign my computer off. I said, well, it's internal affairs. You should. But I said, so I made some phone calls, and uh, I got down to a guy who was a sergeant. He said, um, please don't tell me. He goes, I had to turn you off, take you off the offline. Please don't make me tell you who made me do it. I said, come on, man. I, I mean, I'm an inspector. You're a sergeant. He goes, I, I'm sorry. It came from downtown. Okay, so I called my a commander downtown, and she said, let it go. Don't let it go. I said, I can't get on my computer. I can't do any work. I go to my commander. I said, don't shut up that computer. Because the very first hand Monday, the entire building had been denied access to the computer. Because there's internal affairs discipline. Everyone in the building had been denied. The second day, they're getting their stuff back, and I'm not. On the third day, he shuts off his computer, and he can't get back on. They went through my files, deleted some. I found this out when I finally got my stuff back because I went to um, the assistant chief's office. I said, what's going on? He says, what are you talking? The assistant chief didn't know. It was, uh, oh, heck was it, uh, Tim Black. He's from Arizona. He came with Oliver. He goes, what are you talking about? I said, I've been denied access to my computer for a week. I can't get on. Said, that doesn't make any sense. I said, I know it doesn't, <laughs> but that's what's happening. So when I got my computer back, some files were gone. They'd gone through everything. So um, subsequently, my commander who's a great guy a man of great integrity he almost had a breakdown it was, it was, it was heartbreaking so he took some time off and uh, put another guy in there and then they transferred me out. i got transferred 12 times in two years just moving me back and forth and i was like you know what i didn't do the right thing i did what was right the right thing would have been to say oh it's the mayor you know don't touch it but it's, and i'm not investigating the mayor i'm investigating the um uh the officers and uh it was really hard at home and stuff, but uh, I made it. I uh, yeah. wow. I mean, sorry. What? No, you're. I mean, that is a fascinating story, and so there's a million questions that right. I have. I mean, I, how many years of an officer were you before you were transferred to Internal Affairs? Oh gosh, let's see. That would have been in 2003, I believe. So I came on in '85. I made Lieutenant '99. Got promoted. I think. I want to say I got promoted in. 2002 went to internal in 2003 because right after I went there when this whole thing was going on my dad passed away I just, it's like bam 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 pile on me and then uh, uh, we, I was transferred to I want to say narcotics maybe I, I got okay, transferred so, but you were, you were a cop for a 18, long time almost yeah, yeah, 20 yeah, years well, yeah. and you said you made a comment that you think that's why you were transferred there do you have any idea as you sit here today why you were transferred there to internal yeah they wanted someone to, to Gary Brown trusted me. He said to me, I want you to come here. I'm like, your work ethic, I trust you, you're a hard worker. Okay. And then... Um, was it that no one else wanted to touch this uh, I, allegation I against the mayor? Honestly, I have no idea. Because I got this paperwork in, like I said, three different pieces of paper. I'm like, wait a minute. I don't know if the people that were investigating it went to their superiors and superiors said, don't touch it. But it ends up on my desk. And I go, hey, and Gary, to his credit, said, we got to do something about this. So there, can you explain, because there were, there were two kind of investigations or allegations. There's allegations about, uh, I think it was um, Michael Martin, is that his name? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and he was using the car, and maybe he got in an accident and didn't do some things. There's another report from Harold Nelthrop that said that he believed that either a party happened at the mansion or there was things going on at the mansion that were inappropriate, right? Right. Did you give them any weight, equal weight, no weight? What did you do with them? Equal weight, because... Nelthrop, that was his name. Nelthrop had one of the art, uh, papers. I got a complaint on Martin. There were three different. I should have brought it. I don't know. I actually, I made copies of it. Smart. I yeah. Oh, whatever. How smart it was. But uh, I made copies and I put it all together. I had uh, my lieutenant, who actually was a commander, left Detroit and now he's uh, working downtown. He uh, put it all together. He's a sharp guy. And actually, to his credit, he was a friend of Michael Martin's. They were really close. But was Michael Martin a cop? He was. He okay. was, and he was. Uh, he was uh, 
the mayor's favorite security guard or not security guard they're, they're called the executive protection unit. right they're right. police officers and that michael martin would always be with kwame kilpatrick so you were transferred to internal internal affairs you think because nobody else wanted to be there you're reading these reports about officers who work under kwame who is essentially your boss who appoints the chief who, who appoints all the chiefs and the chiefs go when the mayors go correct mm, correct and um so i i mean it's kind of like what's going on nationally right now how do you investigate you know the top dog but yet you're looking at these memos thinking uh this something's not right who do i talk to i mean either you bury it and ignore it which your police officer instinct said can't do that so you started asking questions somebody at the mayor's office finally found out shut you off the computer transferred you to narcotics. I believe it was narcotics. Basically it, something like 12 that. Times you out, years, moved right? you out of internal okay. affairs. Yeah. So <laughs> I think I'm you said you were transferred 12 times in, in two years, which all of this is crazy. True. Um, so where do we go? So keep talking about the two cops. and, and Yeah, so I just want to know. I mean, because you might read a report and say, oh, this is party nonsense. And you might read a report about uh, an officer misusing a car, and that might be much more believable. But I'm just curious because the party became the biggest story in Detroit for sure. a five-year period. So one of the memos was on the party? Yes. What do you remember from the memo? That Again, these are allegations that uh, uh, a woman was there. She was assaulted. She was taken to the hospital. There's no record of her being in the hospital. There were rumors that um, because of HIPAA, she used uh, an officer's social security number. So if you looked up her name, you wouldn't find her, even if you had sources. The, the complainant. And later the complaint was found deceased. It was Strawberry. I don't know her real name. Tamara Green. Tamara right. Green. Within, within, a, within a couple days. No, no, a couple months. A couple months. Right. There's so much speculation. Like, for instance, at the time, we were issued Glocks. And uh, it's my understanding, if I recall, she was shot with a Glock. Right. But, and out of an Escalade, right? Yes, and I believe by a left-handed right, person. Right, a left-handed person. So, Who's left-handed? Mike well, Martin. I don't know about I knew that. somebody was left-handed. I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, what the hell does that mean? I mean, all right, Mike Martin. I don't know about it, but... but everyone. Th that's his, the story, that's rumor, the, yeah, yeah, the, rumor the conspiracy, window, right? yeah, all that stuff. All right. Because... Everyone, they all drew, uh, drove Escalades in his thing. How do they know it, it was an Escalade again? Somebody saw it? Uh, I don't know that they knew it was an Escalade. I think they knew it was an SUV, if I remember I thought, correctly. Okay, I thought but. someone, again, again, there's so many, so much rumor, innuendo. But how does that type of party stay quiet and stay you know, urban it's, legend? It's, like, it's, what it's, happened, Steve? It's, it's crazy. What's I, your guess? What's your? I know it's a guess. And do it's I an think opinion. there was a party? Yes. However, uh, Mike Cox, who I knew from... Uh, Wayne County Prosecutor's Office, so I got along with great. Well, one day, uh, I had five officers shot one time in number nine, and Brian Huff was killed. And uh, Mike came in, I was a commander, came in with an envelope. He said, hey, Steve, just came by himself. So I want, this goes to the family from uh, my office. I said, you got a minute? Yeah, what's up? Sit down, we start talking. And I said, you did this whole investigation. You couldn't find any culpability? He said, how long did you work at homicide? And I told him, two different stints. He goes, you ever go to a, a bar shooting? I said, yeah. He's interviewed 20, 30 people. I said, yeah, absolutely. He goes, we interviewed 178 people, and no one was at the party. You were, you were. Uh, I wasn't there, but Kevin was. <laughs> Kevin, I, Mike was there, but I wasn't there. And he goes, we got not one person to um, say they're at the party. Not one. I knew a lieutenant that, made the party and he goes nope 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 no it is what it is then someone else said if you could track the um 911 calls they're all in order up to that date and up till like, the end of the incident and then after that they're all scrambled nobody can find them so you know it's conjecture um i personally believe there was a party um do i think he should have got what 28 years no kwame i, I just don't right but well, what, what what happened to the two officers that you, you had memos on? Did they ever get investigated by anybody else? Yeah. Because I don't remember. Yeah, no, yeah, and they were disciplined. They 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 were found to be misusing the cars. That I believe yeah. they found there was an accident. There may have been, there may have been some drinking or something going bar. on, right? Yeah. Getting paid to be at the bar and drinking. 
They can pay it overtime. And they were disciplined. The ironic part is, what no one about. cared about that though. Everyone just wanted to know about the party yeah. and Tamara Green, the exotic dancer, and now she's dead and what happened to her. Right. And uh, you know, I mean, that's an unsolved case. Yeah, oh yeah. I, I spent two, yeah. three years on that story, and uh, people will ask me, and I'll say, I I think that there. It wasn't a party the way people picture a party, like there's 200 people at a party. I think it was a place where five or six guys went and a few girls came over and they hung out. And I think they did it on lots of occasions and there wasn't a day or a date. But I think on on some day, police, EMS went there, police went there. We talked to these people. They said they were there. They said they filled out reports that they were there, and the reports went missing. Yes. And the 911 calls went missing. It's it's another one of these things. I mean, it's kind of like the Epstein thing. Everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. Interesting. And then finally, the family. Um, Jonathan Bond, Tamara Green's son, is still a friend of mine. We talk all the time. Um, but uh, um, the, the family uh, sued, and they went to try and sue in federal court. And this thing went on for over a year. And finally, at the very end, Judge Rosen said, look, we, all the questions you have are supposed to be in the file. And the file is like this big. And everybody testified it used to be this big. But I can only deal with what I can see. And all I can see is this file right here. And after all that time, he ended up not allowing it to go to trial. So we never got a lot of people on the stand like you would to find out under oath, were you at a party? Under oath, you know, did this happen? But, uh, man, we talked to a lot of people who... Well, Nelthrop sued and won, didn't he? Yeah, Nelthrop uh, won and uh, Gary Brown won. And didn't a sergeant write a book? Uh, I don't know. I thought a sergeant wrote a book. Gary Brown sued and won a ton. I didn't, and now I'm the athletic director of Cabrini High School. <laughs> so, well, what uh, would you have sued about, Steve? Defamation of character, mental... Dur- I'll tell you what, mentally, it took its toll on me. It took its toll major on me. And you get transferred that many times and eventually i got demoted um in a quote-unquote restructuring by the, the chief of the and time. you think this is all because you brought these memos that were sitting on your desk to the people above you not just that i've been known to be outspoken and maybe go against the grain and i have no problem saying you're wrong this is my opinion you don't have to agree with me but i think you're wrong but part and parcel yeah but gary brown was fired immediately after you gave the memos to gary brown gary brown took them to the administration and then gary brown was gone right? in a week yeah i mean he took so, it to he took it to kwame or the yeah, took yeah. It to jerry Oliver. Well, well either the police chief or the mayor or both i was transferred to 12 i know that because the commander there was close with the mayor and stuff and i was i found this out later i was sent there so she could keep an eye on me it's whatever you know i did my job and uh, you, why weren't you ever terminated then? What it was your opinion on that? I didn't do anything wrong. Well, uh, Gary Brown didn't either. Okay, the difference is I was in a union. You were in a union because you weren't at, a chief. At, 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 no, at, at, the way the unions were, police officers in one union, lieutenants, sergeants, and investigators in a second union, and then commanders are inspectors, well, now they're called captains, are in a third union. But when you're a deputy chief, it's an appointment. Like under Coleman Young, when you made, before they had a union, you signed an open-ender, open-ended resignation letter, open-dated, and then you didn't like it, you were gone. That's, and that's how it was for a long, even after he died. Um, that's how it was. So they got a union, and then, um, they, it's, it's crazy, because I ended up becoming president of the union. Uh, after I got demoted, uh, and they made a bunch of new people, and, uh, and a bunch of people quit, and they said, we need a president. And so there's myself and a guy named um, James Moore. And him and I were the president, vice president, secretary, treasurer. We did everything. And because people were terrified of the, of the, uh, the chief at the time that they would lose their job or whatever. So, you know, I, I did what was right, not the right thing. The right thing would have been to poo-poo it, and I probably could have got promoted quicker. So for a lay person like myself, yeah. what is someone supposed to do? I mean, even if, you know, again, it's a national, there's a national tie here, you know, there, there's whistleblowers. What, but what do you, in, in your old department, if, if somebody above you is doing something wrong, you're getting memos, you're getting information, how do you safely uh, investigate that? You didn't. You, you, you didn't did, and you, you can't you, and you couldn't. Uh, yeah, basically, I mean. I so they get a free reign, they're like kings and queens. Well, kind of was that way for a while. Uh, and do you think it's not like that anymore? No. Uh, I, I get, uh, give Craig credit. He's been scandal-free since he got here. He got here in 2013 because um, prior to that, there were scandals with all the chiefs. And we had, starting when I came on in 85, Bill Hart, who was the chief, 
they found what a quarter million dollars in his ceiling. Yeah, yep. okay. and, and he was a. Let's a, go through all the scandals for all the shows. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's do that. Let's do that type of podcast. I mean, uh, <laughs> and, and he was a cop's cop, but whatever happened again, I I was new then. He went to prison for that. I know he did, and ended, and he ended up selling shoes at the uh, Sibley's at the Sibley's on the corner of uh, Woodward and uh, Campus Marshes, yeah. and then. He died. I, he was a good street cop, good narcotics cop. Whatever happened, happened. Jerry Oliver came in here. He was in over his head, I felt. Uh, he came from Virginia. And uh, it was a non-union police department. This is old school police union. So he struggled um, quite a bit. Uh, then they had just turnover, turnover. Benny was here for a while. Um, less than a couple of years. Benny was only there less than a yeah, couple Yeah, just a couple of years. years. Ella, Ella was there for, for a brief period. Neither of them had scandals while they were there. I, no, McKinnon Ella was there. Was there. Three McKinnon was there for a while. Um, Warren Aaron Evans. was there. Warren Evans, Godby. Warren Evans, Godby. You know, I mean, you go... Uh, <laughs> Is that unusual? I've never researched this. And if you go across the country in the major cities, I mean, the police chiefs serve the mayor. True. And so is there... It seems like there's way more turnover here in Detroit there was and now the average not. the average big city chief lasts three years now chief craig uh i don't know why my brain he's is down the deputy mayor too so he's obviously getting along with he's the deputy yeah. mayor yeah he's the deputy yeah, mayor I don't know if and I the chief of police when mckinnon left they made uh duggan made him the uh deputy mayor and and from what i read and can tell and he people seem to really like and respect chief craig yeah he seems to be doing a great job yep he always jokes that uh, I get more airtime than him. <laughs> yeah, uh, but he's good on TV. But it's close. <laughs> <laughs> but he's good on TV. I, I, you know, I think people listen and respect. He shows him. up at the scenes. People like that. I mean, he, he's out there. They feel this, like he's AC Steve used to show up at the scenes. Oh, yeah, I did. saw lots of video of him at the scenes. Yeah, and I think people listen to you too. I thought you were great on camera. I thought your hair looked good on camera. My hair. Oh, and, thank uh, you very much. What, what What is it like to be out on scene? What is it like to be, uh, you know, on the streets of a major city, uh, and especially? violent one and the kinds of stories that you had to deal with personally you know sometimes i i miss that i know it sounds crazy people go, you went you're so, so glad you're done with that and i said no um that's where you meet the officers and I, I think and i've said this to my counterparts that are still at the department there's a little bit of a disconnect between some of the command staff and the officers because while we're up in our little ivory tower making decisions we're not talking to the little guy what's good you can give them everything in the world you can have an employee who's um, disillusioned. And you can give them a $20,000 raise, and guess what? They're going to be disillusioned because you should have made them 30000 whatever. So people are going to be disillusioned. So when I would go out to a scene, I got to interact with the officers. And, and unfortunately, every scene usually was pretty bad, except for the, the hog. Remember that yeah. one? Yeah. Um, that was kind of comical. Anyway, um, you go out to the scene, you walk up, and, and, I, and I've told um, young command officers, what do you do when you get to the scene? Oh, I go right up there and talk to the sergeant and say, what's going on? And I tell him what to do. I go, no. You walk up, especially if there's a child killed or something, you go up to the officers on the perimeter. You guys good? You, you okay? Yeah, 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 we're possible. Okay, who's in charge of the scene? That sergeant is a lieutenant. Okay, you guys are good though. Yep, make the rounds with the officers. And as you head towards the supervisor, the family is usually out there, you know, crying and stuff, which is understandable. Mm -hmm. And they want, they want justice done immediately. I would go to the supervisor and say, what do you got? You know, and what's going on? And he would tell me, I'd say, okay, hold on. I'll be right back. I go back to the family and say, and they're screaming, you know, you guys aren't doing anything. I said, hold on. You don't have to yell at me. I just got here. What's your concern? Okay, you know, don't go anywhere. I'm going to find out the answer to these questions and I'll be back. And I go to the media and say, listen, let me handle this. I will come here. We will do this. I promise. And they respected that. So then I'd find out what's going on and say, okay, Lieutenant Sergeant, what do you think? Well, sir, I think we should go in. Well, sir, I think he left. Well, sir, cool, let's do this. So we need a dog, do we need a helicopter, do we need a command post, what do we need? Okay, let's do it. Because your supervisors on the street are interacting with us every day, and you're up in your tower. So you don't see that a lot. Plus, it, it shows the troops that you respect their, their leader, and you do it. So then you get done, and you go to the media, and right away, and I'd say, hold on, don't turn the cameras on yet. Here's the deal. This is what I can tell you on camera now if you hear other things a source and you know this so they'd say go and they'd ask me questions i'd give them the answers and then they'd get off and say and sources tell us <laughs> okay i freely admit that i gave them things off camera but when other sources 
that gets out, you as a citizen who may have seen something say, well, I'm not the first one telling them this. And that's how it gets out. First, uh, I have a question about chain of, chain of command, but I'm not familiar with the hog story. What happened there? God, what a cluster. Um, so my partner, James White, who I think is great. I think he's the smartest guy up there. He's great. I love him. And I used to make fun of him because he has administrative. I had patrol and investigations, and he had uh, all the administrative stuff. And for a while, they gave him animal control. So Ron comes out about a, a pig in a basement. And, and and so I'm laughing at him. He goes, are you kidding me? You know, because I'm the police. He says, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm dogging the hell out of him. So he goes to scene number, number two, I believe, and there's this uh, pig in a basement. And uh, I get a call. You need to get out here. What do I need to get out there? It's a pig. That's your thing. He goes, because the allegations are uh, this pig is eating hookers. Like, what? Okay, what the hell? So I go out there, and I mean, there's cops everywhere, and people meeting. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Well, there's a truck parked here, and it just reeks. I'm thinking, oh, God, it smells like a dead body. Well, the word on the street is that he was getting hookers and feeding them to the hogs after he killed them because the hog will eat everything but it's either hair or teeth. They eat everything, hogs are. I'm like, oh, for God's sake. So I go to this house, and sure enough, there's this hog in the basement. The guy taking the stairs out, like a cellar, so the hog couldn't climb out. He just filled with feces. It, you know, bad. So I said, okay. So I go over to this truck, and it just reeks, and it's covered with a tarp. I said, well, what'd you guys find? They go, well, we didn't go in there. I said, why not? We're the police. Well, it stinks. Give me a pair of gloves. So I jump up on the pickup and I throw the tarp off, and it's just raw meat, just from somewhere. But there's a bunch of purses there. They, those must belong to the hookers that the pig was eating. I'm like, what? Where are you guys getting this information? So we sent a guy out to look for this perpetrator. And uh, in the meantime, we call for a guy to pick up the pig, you know, because we need the pig. So the media, as, as a rookie, person from seven i think it was it says could you describe the scene in the basement and i said yeah it looks like a pig today <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it was it turns out he wasn't uh eating hookers and it turned out i found the difference between a pig and a hog there's a difference hog weighs i think 300 pounds so you have to have a hog removal not a pig removal did you know that no i did not see you're, a lot you're up right here now. in this tower you gotta get out there and uh the guy also had a hog in highland park at another house. And then the guy ended up dying. But, um. Wait, wait, with the hog, what, what happened to the women? Were there, it was, was, it, it wasn't. That. Urban legend. Urban Nobody legend. was killing anybody. Yeah. Nobody was, was eating anybody. killing anybody. The guy oh was God. a hoarder. He's picking up, um, person. He may have been picking up hookers. Who knows? Although there, there were two hunters in Michigan up in the Mayo area who were I remember fed, that. To, fed to pigs. And that's how they got rid of the bodies. I remember that and, case. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! All so right. that's that's a pig case. Let's go back to chain of command. Chain so of command. You, I watched an interview with you. Um, you know where you were were talking about the unfortunate um, killing this week of Officer McLean, right. which is really upsetting to everybody. It is, and um, that Sergeant Kidd, who's still on the force, he allegedly stayed in his car, didn't go towards the scene, and I thought you did a good job explaining. Um, what's supposed to happen at a scene, and then and then I want you to take the next step is like because not all the time does a chief or an assistant chief or, or a deputy deputy chief come to the scene. So you know it's I assume it's the highest ranking officer who's making the decisions in, in in directing traffic. But why don't you lay it out for me what's supposed to happen, what you think happened in this um, Sergeant Kidd case, um, in your opinion, and all this. So they made the scene, and McLean. They told him there's an individual in the house with a gun, uh, and they ran out. And they said, I'm told, they said the door was open. He went up there, and the door was locked. When you say they made the scene, the police officer the showed up on the scene yes. without a sergeant or lieutenant. Which is normal. Which because, is normal. Yeah, they, they're, you, they're making a run. You get runs all the time, man with a gun. It is what it is. Okay. So they show up, and they said he's in the house, and they go up to the door, and it's locked. Here's our keys. They call for a supervisor. Now, all the supervisor has to do is say, en route. Uh, set up a perimeter, stand by. Two sentences. Don't not, go in. Don't go in. Just stand Wait. by. I'm on the way. Stand by. And then none of this probably would have happened because right. it's your supervisor. It's a paramilitary organization. You listen to your supervisor. That wasn't said. Just I'm in route. Now, was this Sergeant Kidd who said that? 
Yeah, I'm I'm in route. Yeah, it's. I think it's. it's, The codes are. He would have been twelve seven or twelve seven one. So twelve, twelfth precinct. Any seventy series of sergeants, any sixty series of lieutenants. So it's twelve seven or twelve seven one. Whatever. So uh, he's in route. Now, I've been there. I'm not going to second second guess McLean because I've been there. I've gone on houses with people have guns, and you think I can handle the situation. Been there, done that. you know there's a guy in there with a gun, but you don't know his intent. So they go in there, and they clear the first floor, no problem. Second floor, no problem. Then the lights go on in the basement, and they make the decision to go downstairs. And uh, I'm told that tactically they did it right, but the guy was laying in ambush. Uh, and unfortunately, they both got shot. Uh, still, the supervisor's not there. Now the officers are yelling, officer down, officer down, shots fired. So now a supervisor from 10 responds. The supervisor on the desk who's in charge of the precinct, he says, oh, crap, I better get over there. And the other supervisor, I'm told, doesn't say anything. And he's a block away. So then, according to the chief, several officers uh, ran by the car. and Ran by uh, the Sergeant police car. Kid's car. Yeah, yeah, when the words officers down go out, right, everybody, every, right, everybody but races I, there. One thing I'm, I'm, I'm trying to... F- piece together in my brain is how they knew he didn't go in so you're saying this is new information for me Who didn't I, go I, I said sergeant kid oh well because he's got a camera in his car they know where he was yeah they know where he was he's is got a radio de- traffic it, so he's they got, knew where he was he's got his car so, camera. The, so back at the headquarters they can see that he's sitting a block away in his car and he didn't leave it well they it's my understanding that they uh, they have body cam and they have the camera in the vehicle plus all the cars have gps so as they're breaking down the shooting, I don't think they realize it. At Not first. immediately, no. Right, it's but within days. 48 hours. Yeah, yeah, within a couple of days. Okay, let's break this down. We have an officer dead. Let's see where we drop the ball. Oh, wait a minute, where's that sergeant at? Let's go back. There's no radio uh, transmission. I was like, what's going on? Let's start checking. Then they check the body cams. And he's sitting in his car. Now, I'm told that he said, I was waiting for the guy to come through the... In case he was running this way, running. I was going to keep gonna an catch eye out him. for him. And he had a rookie in the car with him. Right. And as these guys go running by him, he makes the statement, they must know something we don't know. Well, okay. If you're the supervisor, then you need to find out what the hell they know, why they're running that way. Or if in your mind they are in imminent danger, pull them back and let's set up a perimeter because the guy's there. It's my understanding that none of those measures were taken. Uh, and that he just stayed there, didn't go to the hospital. I just, I don't know his mindset. I don't know. I know he did uh, what, two tours in Iraq, he's a Marine, but I don't know what was going through his mind. And I actually spoke to, uh, I think even spoke to a retired general uh, who's a friend of mine. And he had heard the chief's remarks, and he said, you know what? Cowardice goes to the state of mind. You don't know what the person's thinking. And if you run from a scene... That's just you. If you don't take charge, there's dereliction of duty. And in the military, dereliction of duty is a much harsher offense than cowardice mm. because now you're putting other people in danger. So he was questioning a lot of these things. And um, I'm sure it'll all come out in the wash eventually, so I don't know. What, do you but know but he, has a, he has a history. This wasn't the first right. time he was accused of being a coward. Uh, in 2014, was it? He, was, he had a female mm-hmm. partner, and there was a, a, a situation where his partner was being assaulted, and he didn't step up, allegedly. Allegedly. He um, seen the, as a juvenile, I believe, attacking a, um, I don't know if it's his partner or another officer, but he stepped out of the detention facility and said, hey, she's being assaulted. And he didn't take any action. And it's my understanding that he was fired uh, at a trial board by um, three command officers. And then the union got him uh, a deal where he pled to 68 days, I think it was, and he got his job back. Well, in the Detroit promotional system, the way the rules work is if you don't have any discipline for two years, you can take the test and get promoted. Well, it had been two years. He had no discipline after that, so he took the test for sergeant, got promoted, and this happened kind of odd the chief went back and looked at the signature because he had to sign that and he's like i don't recognize that as my signature even which is just another odd part of the story well it's he's sitting there thinking how the hell did this guy get promoted if he had you know someone did the research say you know he got fired in 2014 for cowards he got his job back to which the chief goes wait a minute how could that happen i want to see that order i don't remember that well then he goes back and the chief has this um 
His little thing, he signs everything in green ink. He just, he just does. And it was in purple ink. Hmm. And usually when you sign for, so for instance, if he's going to sign for you, he would sign Kevin Dietz for Mike Morris, right? Sure. For. Let's just have James Craig. James E. Craig signed. In purple. In purple. So he didn't sign it. He says he doesn't recognize it. We don't know if it matched his signature, but he probably is embarrassed. I mean, or I don't know if embarrassed is the right word, but he's probably mortified that this guy was back on the force. If this is true, what, what he's hearing. Yeah. Oh, Jan, even more tragic, I think, in all of this. Um, because I, who knows what, I know if you're a police officer, you're supposed to go do this. I mean, you, that's what you sign up for. But when something happens, you don't know exactly what your body's going to do until you're in that scene. Oh, but what really, really gets me in this story is that the person who shot Officer McLean never should have been out there. He should have been locked up. Well, he had he done his time in jail. He was on parole. Uh, he was an East Warren boy, according to the tattoo. So he's on the west side of the city. It's a gang. It's East, yeah, East Warren boys. So he had a tattoo on his arm. So anyway, he's on parole. Okay. Um, they go the first time two weeks prior to that, and maybe the way the report was titled, he went over and shot up the house because he's trying to hit on the 16-year-old girl. Is his girlfriend, maybe? Right. And a 32-year-old woman. Anyway, so he goes over to the house, shoots it up. So the question is, and I don't know this, was a report entitled MDP, Malicious Destruction of Property, Assault with Intent, Felonious Assault, whatever. And if you're an investigator, detective, obviously if it's felonious assault or assault with intent, you can prioritize that more than malicious destruction of property. They also said the name was spelled wrong. If they just had the name spelled right, they could have ran it, seen that he was wanted, excuse me, was on parole. They could have revoked his parole immediately. Could have, would have, should have. Yeah, you revoke his parole, maybe you can lock him up right away. There's no guarantee you're going to give him custody right away. But it could have been prevented. Could have been. And, and both at the scene that night and if it had been investigated properly, it could have been prevented. Because DPD, they have a lot of resources. Uh, so, like, uh, they can have a standoff with a gunman for hours. They have SWAT sure. teams. They have all kinds of highly trained people and equipment. So if there's a gunman in a house um, and the decision is made to step back and wait it out, they certainly can do that. We see that happen quite the, a bit. All the time because you have negotiators. So I'm, so I'm going to just keep asking questions because I'm a little confused. Okay. So he's, you, you mentioned that other sergeants from other departments, 10, 11, 12, they're all, they're all descending on the scene. Yes. He was sitting there already ahead of that. He was already there. Is oh, that yeah. what the cameras? McLean, you mean? Um, no, no. Hill. Oh, Hill, a kid. kid. A kid, I'm sorry. Kid. He's a block away. Right, but he was there before these people are descending? Oh, yeah. So, okay, so he was there first. He, he doesn't know there's an officer shot. Doesn't but he doesn't try to go take care of the the, the he, perimeter of the situation. Initial scene. He's there, not. he's just. But that's his job, right? As it is the, his job. You're supposed to go there and take control. And apparently he didn't. And and that was before, and he was there before McLean was shot. So had he done his job, gone to the scene, allegedly gone to the scene, had he been there, then he would have set up the perimeter and said, don't go in. He could have been the one taking control, saying, hey, McLean, partners, don't go in. He would have assessed the situation. And so he okay. was in place that he should have been able to do that. Sure. That's you what you're reading and seeing. You show up and say, what do you got, McLean? McLean says, we heard two weeks ago, uh, shots fired, da 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 Okay. They say he's got a gun in there. Really? And, uh, you know, is it going to be suicide by cop or whatever? Okay. So then you say, okay, I've got a barricaded gunman. The supervisor declares a barricaded gunman. Then they get the SWAT team out there, uh, the command post, all the notifications come downhill. And then your upper management starts filtering in because you get a barricaded gunman, you know. How often do police officers like what happened in this case, you said you did it. You said he did it tactically properly. But you did say technically they're supposed to wait for a supervisor. So how if often? Told, if If ordered to. So you call it in. But, You're like, I'm about to go was do it, this. Was there, was there, did somebody say, don't go in? Did somebody, did no. you tell part of the story? So nobody, he said he asked for backup or supervisor, right. supervisor, not backup. And that supervisor did not say, don't go in. That's my understanding, yeah. And the supervisor he called was Kid? Well, you call dispatch and dispatch sends the supervisor that's on the street. And, and it's, it's our understanding that this was, the, they sent Kid. Yeah, and he didn't right. say what he what he, he should said, have said. He said, "I'm on the way." So Officer McLean thought, "Okay, I can go in." They went in tactically correct. I, I don't know if he thought he could go in. I don't, and again, I don't know how long it took 
for a formal claim? I, I don't know. How long was it from the initial, I need a supervisor, until, you know what, let's just go in? I don't know what the time frame was. Does that, that happen? Does that happen? You know what? When I was at the ninth Precinct, there was a supervisor that no one trusted her um, street uh, sense. So they would call for a supervisor and dispatch would say, 970, and you make the scene. She would come out on the air and then you'd hear, you know what, radio, we don't need a supervisor. We got this. Because sometimes people exacerbate the situation, make it worse than it really is. So if you have a supervisor you trust, cool, I'm waiting. Someone like, uh-oh, let's see if we can handle this and you cancel the supervisor. I don't know that much about kid, if he was a good supervisor, poor, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But McLean, I don't know how long the time lapse was, but McLean, as 18-year, 17-year veteran, well-respected, has that street sense, and you know that well, you think I can handle this? Yeah, we're kid not, was we're a twenty. Not, second guessing no. him. No, kid was a twenty-one-year veteran, though. Um, he should have had a training. He should have known what you're supposed to do. Yeah. It also said the chief said uh, that at one point, when the officer, police officers were running by to try and get to the scene, he said to another officer, I don't know if it's the officer, his partner, or another officer, but he said we should take cover, which is really not what you're supposed to do if you're in charge. You're supposed to go make sure everybody's safe. Yeah, you are. That's your job. Like, if you know something I don't know, I need to find out what you know. Why are you running? Is the guy up there with a the gun? Let's go get him. Because as a supervisor also, you're my supervisor, and I may be a hot-tempered guy. You want to make sure I don't beat the hell out of this guy who just shot a cop. Your job is to control the scene. <clears throat> right. Horrible, horrible story. Now, did they catch the shooter that night? Yes. Uh, yes. That night, they're in the house. They yes. caught him. No, no. They chased him and shot him. He was shot. I didn't. I don't know if I read that. Yeah, uh, we, shot. we were told that he's going to be in the uh, Wayne County Jail uh, as of this afternoon. Later today. Good. Yeah. So he made it. Um, okay. Well, our condolences go out to obviously Officer McLean's family. Right. Um, horrible situation. And again, I mean, you, you just have to mention again that uh, the number of police officers who put their life on the line all the time you just got to love these cops who who do it right and i mean you see it you saw it daily when you were on the force let me okay so there's this thing i've been saying for years years and years and years and people look at me like i'm nuts but i i truly mean this there are cops and there are police officers and all cops are police officers but not all police officers are cops so for instance if you, if a police officer comes to your house and you make a complaint, they take the report, thank you, here's a card, the text will call you, blah, 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 and they go back and handle the run. Or they may pull you over and write a ticket, uh, anything to keep the supervisor off their butt. So that's what a police officer does. The cop goes to your house, you give him the, the stuff, he delves, he or she delves deeper into the description, whatever, and goes, looks for the guy. I'm not waiting for that, I'm gonna go find this guy myself. If he pulls you over, he's not looking to get you on a traffic offense. He's looking to see if you got dope, gun, if you're wanted. When you pull up next to the guy and the guy gives you the felony look, which you learn on the street, it's like, okay, he's he's dirty. The he, felony he, look. Oh, God, yes. Let me see it. I've never committed a felony. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, give me the felony look. But I don't have a felony look. <laughs> you can tell there's certain things that you're driving down, certain ways they move, certain ways they look. Exactly. That person, something ain't right. And then you just go up and say, or you try to go and say, hey, and they take off running, throw a gun or do whatever. And uh, so it's the, that's what a, a cop goes, McLean was a cop. He went the extra mile. Like, we're going to take care of it. That's what a cop does. I, I, I just learned something. I never knew the difference. I mean, well, what you guys think the difference has been. I don't know if everyone thinks that's me. That's your thing. There was years ago I was a cop, then I became an administrator. But then you became a police officer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. Yeah. Um, and I've been criticized for saying that. But I get criticized by police officers for saying because i respect everyone who wears the badge i do but i have the utmost respect for a cop because they're out there they're putting their own their ass on the line for total strangers that's what a cop does interesting that's an interesting story because I, I have a buddy who's a trooper and mm -hmm. those are those are some legit cops and you and never know they, what you're walking up on that's no, for sure they, if they, you're pulling people a, over they, you never know they all do a good job but but it's just interesting how troopers 
have to be called troopers, you know, and and, and you have to wear the hat all the time. Deputies are with the sheriff's yeah. department. And I know police I'm, officers. They, you have to wear the hats. You don't. You guys don't I, have to wear the hats. They were. You hate hats, right? I hate hats. <laughs> I have hair on my head. I hate hats because uh, you don't want to ruin that nice. Uh, well, do. That, that I get goes it. back That's, to that. You got a nice hair. <laughs> that goes back to the the scene with the the guy with the hat we were talking about earlier. Right. That's probably the worst scene I've ever had. I've had several. I forgot another one. But in this particular case, I was working what they call um, 2400. Seven nights to three o'clock in the morning. You're like the night chief. You're in charge of everything. Anytime a scene comes out, you respond. It's command officer. It's about, I'm getting off at three. Run comes out. Uh, two people shot. And I want to say it was St. Mary's on the west side. This is number six. And I'm thinking, crap. You know what? Just go. It's, you're getting off work, but what the hell? Check it out. And I get there, and there's this officer outside, and he's throwing up. What the hell? There's another officer, and he's crying. I'm like, okay, what do you got? Like, it's terrible. And I walk in there, and I've been coaching for, at the time, maybe 15 years, 10 years. And there's these two little boys, and uh, they're in the little white T-shirts, little white, white underwear, and they were duct-taped uh, at the ankles, in behind their back, and they've been executed. And uh, I, was, I was a mess. And it turns out it was um, a dope ripoff. The, the babysitter had ripped off the dope dealer. And the dope dealer came back and wanted the money. And she said, can I give him the money? I said, give us the money or we're going to shoot the kid. And she didn't believe him. So they killed the two little boys. It's just horrendous, just messed up. And so I make all the notifications. It's going to be a big thing. And I uh, put the tape out and secure the perimeter. And the father shows up. He's intoxicated. And he wants to see his kids. And I get it to a point. I don't need to see your kids like that, but I get it. So I start wrestling with this uh, father to hold him back. Because I'm by myself because the other officers are taking care of the scene. And uh, there's a news crew out there. And they're filming it. And my boss walked up and said, what are you doing? I, da, 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 da. And he goes, where's your hat? I said, are you serious? I said, I'm just fighting with the father. This kid just lost his two kids. He goes, well, you know what the chief thinks about hats? I said, you know what? I'm out of here. Too many chiefs, not enough Indians. And I walked away. Like, you guys got this. Put on your freaking hat and go for it. But be careful when you get in there because it was probably, that was a messed up scene. That was messed up. And then the one where the guy, um, a couple. The one where he uh, killed the, the couple in Allen Park and threw them in the river. Remember that one? Not really. That was one of my, I screwed up. So I'm working, I, I'm work, I go home, get a call at 6 o'clock in the morning. Hey, we got a, a floater in the river. We got a body in the river. Like, okay. That happens. People commit suicide all the time. So I get to work. And the sergeant said, I said, so, you know, what he got? He goes, well, uh, got this body in the river. I said, oh, where is that? He goes, well, it um, doesn't have a head or legs. Or I said, dude, that's not a body. That's a torso. What? Are you serious? I thought you were talking that it's a suicide. I said, oh, no. And he's talking to me. The phone rings. I said, would you talk to me? He goes, oh, okay. He goes, they got another torso. I said, okay, stop it. Don't be a jerk. He goes, there's another torso. Shit. So we go to the um, go to the first thing. It was the old Angel Island, I believe it was called, right off of between Gross Point Park. And there's this the uh, border patrol is coming in with this torso. And this uh, guy walks up from Channel Two, and he goes, "What's going on?" I said, you "Can't come here. It's a crime scene. Please put your stuff over there." He goes, "No problem. Understand." Get this guy up. It's obviously a guy. They took his you know his arms, his legs, and head off. So then we go to Belle Isle because now we've got a woman and all we have is a rose tattoo and no head, no arms. I'm like, oh, God, this is messed up. So then I get a call. You need to get back here. Um, Channel 2 found something. <laughs> what the hell did Channel 2 find? I'm, Come on. So I go back to Angel Island. Apparently when I sent this guy away, this fisherman walked up. He goes, what's going on? Some old guy said, uh, oh, they found a body. That's a shame. And he went to go fish. Well, that particular time, and the Detroit River is never this clear, but it was that morning. They went, he got, went, told Channel 2, you need to look at this. Well, there are two suitcases out there that 
been thrown in the river with the DeWalt saws and the heads and the legs and the arms and the suitcase had popped open. And Channel said, you got to look at this. And I went, oh, my God, you can't put this on the air. They go, no, but we won't let you know. I said, okay, we're going to need the tape and everything. The whole thing was right there. Unbelievable. It was unbelievable. <laughs> so the one time I do the thing right, don't get away from my crime scene, I sent the guy to the crime scene. <laughs> I mean, you watch a show called Ray Donovan? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That's okay, the kind of well, stuff last, we're talking about, right? They found two heads in the in the in the in the uh, bowling bags. Yeah, they last just night. last week. Yeah, last I, week that was sorry, uh, the it was, same it, kind of no, thing. No, no, it's, it's you know I I've always wondered this though. I mean, and you worked Thomas and you were there to see all the reports. And and I mean, I know statistically, um, Detroit per capita is one of if not the most violent cities in america um especially when it comes to homicides and murders but i've often i've long often thought that it's really a lot of gangs killing other gangs or drug dealers killing people involved in drug deals much more than random so than shootings. Just like random shootings or you know i mean i've just i've always felt and i've worked in the city for 25 years I, i've always thought it was very safe to go to the city as long as you didn't stumble too far into something or if you weren't involved in something. And I, I've never seen any statistics that said, you know, well, uh, you know, 80% of them or 90% of them are targeted or, or are attributed to, to gangs. And maybe Gang Squad knows those numbers. I don't know. I would agree with you. I would say probably 80% are known perps, perpetrators. Uh, we talk about stumbling into things. Sure, some people do walk into a gas station. I don't know why they're getting gas at three o'clock in the morning, or why they're getting milk, or what. I still can't figure it out. And they get robbed, and they may fight, and they get shot. But normally, it's gang stuff, uh, domestic, um, or you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. It's uh, I had a ran or robbery. There can be robbery. I had a robbery once uh, as a cab driver, and he got robbed. In front of Henry Ford Hospital on the boulevard, and they shot and killed him. And I'll never forget his girlfriend, her name was Sachiko Woods. Never forget. She came in one day and she said, Listen, um, that's my boyfriend. She gave him his picture. She says, Please don't forget him. I don't want him to be a statistic. It's one of those things like, Okay, I'll take this one personally. So I did. And uh, we found this guy. They said, If you find government, he'll tell you who did it. So we find this guy named Government, bring him in. He confessed everything. I'm like, holy crap. That was easier than I thought. He goes, yeah, I was with so-and-so. I was with Mike, Steve, and Kevin. Okay. Get a statement. Good to go. Get the warrant. Good to go. Mike comes in and says, government wasn't there. What do you mean? He goes, he wasn't there. Kevin, government wasn't there. Steve, nope. Okay, what, what's going on here? He made a full confession. He goes, he wasn't there. He wanted to be part of our gang. We did the shooting. We robbed the guy. We killed him. We went to government's house. We told him what we did. He just wanted to be fitting with us. He had nothing to do with it. Don't send him to jail. Three independent people. So now I got to go in front of a judge and say, Your Honor, I want you to dismiss the complaint. She goes, Detective, or Lieutenant, whatever it was at the time, you do realize he made a full confession. Yes, ma'am, I do. And you still want him released. Yes, ma'am, I do. Da, 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 da. And they released him, and he wasn't the guy involved. The other three plot out, but and we solved the case. But that was one of the rare ones where it was just not domestic, not gang-related. Yeah. That's that's a crazy story. You, we, we could do a TV, <laughs> uh, could do a TV <laughs> show with these I'm sorry. stories. I'm sorry. But, Steve, do you, uh, to Kevin's point, do you think Detroit, you know, you, know, you look at the numbers, you look, look at the statistics, people always allege that, People are playing with numbers or whatnot. Is Detroit getting safer? Is it getting? Is it getting? Uh, is, is there more crime? Are there I, two I, Detroits? Is there a safe Detroit and an unsafe Detroit? I think that the first part of the question. I do believe crime is down uh, since the chief got here. Crime went down. Now, granted, I'd have to look at the stats compared to uh, how much the population decreased. Uh, but I do think there's. I know there's less homicides. When I worked at homicide, we were getting one and a half a day we were getting 500 plus homicides a year like how do you solve that now there was it 270 or 250 last year right. okay and granted there was 1.5 i think or whatever it was when a million when i was there and crack cocaine was uh crack was going crazy and crack, everybody it was, was killing it was everybody terrible. yeah it was terrible <laughs> it was so i think bad the overall everywhere. crime has come down um 
do I think downtown is safer? Are there two different Detroit? Yeah. If there's parts of Detroit neighborhoods that are really nice, I think, and the citizens care and they take care of their stuff, and there's other parts people just given up on. Uh, parts of the east side, parts of the west side are just, you go down the street and you go, there used to be houses here and it's off field. Or there's vacant houses and it's selling crack and there's hookers everywhere and you're like, wow, it's the old broken window theory. One thing leads to another and boom, it's done. So I do think Detroit is safer. I do think they should need a bigger police department, quite honestly. Um, and I do think that you could get more officers if they had, were able to give them more money or, or better benefits. But nationwide, it's hard getting police officers because of the... Um, current climate people just don't want uh, a few bad cops in front of everybody do you think the uh the chief's green light program is helping deter crime or do you think that's just kind of window dressing i think it does and some people mock it uh it get, may give you a, a false sense of security because you say i can walk in the store at three o'clock and want to buy a milk i get a green light well if you're waiting around the corner you don't care about the green light there have been times when people look at the green light, kind of, you know, oh, well, because the officers get there. The good thing about green light, if it's real time, if it's future walking, and they can say, you know, two white males, one has a check shirt on, a uh, gray jacket. So if I pull up, I see you, that's my guy. That helps. But I got to get there right away. So it has pluses and minuses. I like the fact that the community is involved. Part of the green light is you have to stop by the establishment so many times and sign a piece of paper that you were there. That ensures that the cops have to come by. And uh, as opposed to the old days when you went to a party store, you want popping chips, and that's how the cops, you know, it's, that's not the way you go. Free cup Police. of coffee. Free <laughs> cup of coffee, yeah. So, you know, when I was a, uh, a sergeant, there was a gas station at 6 and Telegraph, a mobile. And every time we come in, he goes, I, free cup of coffee. I said, no, no, no. Why? I said, when I'm unemployed, I'll be back. Then let's see if you give me a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, that's how it used to be. So... It has its pluses and minuses. It's it's hard to monitor. I don't know how many ten thousand. How many you know how many thousands are on the green light? Do you know no, offhand? No, 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 no. It started out just a handful, right? And I, I toured it when I was down at your station once, and it was impressive. It, it, there's lots of people. Oh, the real time crime center. Yeah. Oh, it's. I was I was impressed. It's very impressive. And I see them out there, and yeah, it gives you a sense of security. It does, but if you're going to a gas station at three o'clock in the morning, you're becoming a victim. You're letting yourself become. If you're walking the streets. You're a victim. Yeah, you gotta, what do you, you, what you, do you think? Be of, smart. What do you think of the body cam? Because the um, they say that like ninety eight percent of the time, a body cam uh, video will exonerate the police officer. Okay, because the police officer usually does the right thing. It's very rare that the police officer does the wrong thing. But the vast majority of police officers don't want to wear body cams, maybe because they don't want to be recorded the entire time they're on their shift, not because they're going to do some something right. nefarious but um what do you think about it i know they also have this massive problem of trying to go through body cam when you need it and expense and cost but what do you think about the idea of body cam mixed emotions my grandson's on the job now uh and he's new so he likes the body cam he was accused of uh, uh trying to arrest a guy with a gun and they couldn't find the gun and they searched the house he's new he didn't find the gun but the body cam showed the guy with the gun so that's why we locked you up. The guy's like, I had a gun. He had no business stopping me when they pulled the body cam. He goes, Grandpa, there it was. Showed him with the gun. We didn't find it, but there it was. I think you, they found it You could it see it on camera? Yeah, you could see the guy with the gun. Plain as day. Yeah. And so in that case, it's good. Good cops shouldn't care. What? Good cops shouldn't care if they wear a body cam. If they're treating people with respect and they're, and they're doing respect. the right thing and they're saying the right things. Unless the boss is going to use it to say, you're not wearing your hat. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah. I'll tell you what. <laughs> well, that happens. I mean, it really it does. If you, well, because you forget it's on. Well, oh, yeah. sure. In all fairness. I'm um, assuming. I, I don't mean the hat. Again. I mean anything. Right, you stopped right. too long for a cup yeah. of coffee, or you did this, or you, you did You say that. something inappropriate. You tell it off well, another right. joke. People, that's part of the problem I've heard. That was the biggest complaints I get. Like, they'll, they had a guy on a, on a raid, and he walked in, you know, so narcotic trading, I had a dog. And he said, put the dog down. No. Put the dog down. No. He said, put the effing dog down or I'm going to shoot it. He got written up for saying the F-bomb. Sometimes people don't understand, put it down. Sometimes you talk the language of the, of, um, the people you're dealing with. There are people, I can talk uh, street level. I can talk intelligent i can talk any way you want how do you want to talk to me respect is earned it's not given it goes to, if i ask you put the, put the dog down 
No. Come on, dude. Put it down. No. Look, don't be a dumbass. Put the dog down. Okay. No, nah, I said dumbass. Demeanor complaint. I could have killed your dog, but I called you a dumbass. So Right. The, the whole... Right. But you're There's right. a lot of things here. I mean, because I think police officers get into trouble sometimes when people don't listen. Oh. Because their their adrenaline gets going. Absolutely. Or they feel disrespected. They, they're in power. And I find, like, when I'm watching these national stories, and it's like they give a simple order, I mean, you got to follow the orders. If you don't follow the orders, it seems like sometimes, you know, that's when bad, bad shit happen. happens. <laughs> yeah. And you just got to follow, you got to follow orders. You ever fire a gun? Yes. Fire a gun? Mm-hmm. Okay. I love this one. How come you didn't shoot him in the hand or the foot? Well, let's see. We had a three-block foot chase. My adrenaline's going like crazy. I'm taught to shoot center mass, and I can't usually hit your hand or your foot doing this. So what the hell do you want me to do? Oh, you didn't have to you know, kill him. Or tase him. Or tase God forbid. You could have just said stop. How many times you hear, and the cops are getting smarter, actually. They always, what do you always hear all the time before the tase? Stop resisting, stop resisting, stop resisting. Because people hear what they want to hear and see something different. If you hear me yelling, stop resisting, and he says, so what'd you hear? Cop was saying, he kept resisting. You're not even supposed to shoot your gun unless you're, unless you're trying to kill the person if you use it. Isn't you're that how you're trained? Not killed. Well, stop the threat. Stop the threat. And shoot center mass. I'm not going to be able to, if your hand is out, how am I supposed to hit your hand? My, my adrenaline's gone. Quite frankly, I've been, and if you have a gun, my whole life's flashed in front of me like, oh crap, this could be it. So I'm going to shoot. And then they say, you never shoot nine times. It's sympathetic firing. You don't even realize you're shooting nine times. You're, you're bam, 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 bam. You don't even realize the clip you're shooting. I, I fired two shots. You did? Yeah. Or maybe three. No, your clip's empty. There's no way. Right. It, well, the whole debate, Kevin, I've gotten into this debate with, with lots of people. You know, if, you know, when, when, do you, when do you use the deadly force? I mean, like I, uh, you know, my uh, a friend of mine who's, who's on the job, you know, if somebody's coming at you with a knife, if someone's coming at you with a, a screwdriver, right? Well, some somebody I know would say to them, well, why don't you just shoot him in the leg? Yeah. Or why don't you tase him? Or why don't you run away? And they're like, yeah. uh, cops are trained, no, because that could poke me in the eye and kill me. That knife could hit me. And I may, and, and if I hit him in the leg, they may still keep coming. And that's what the cops say. And I think, I mean, mm-hmm. is that true? Yeah. I mean, you're not supposed to aim at the leg or the hand or the arm. You're supposed to aim for center mass. Yeah. I mean, so so that's their argument, right or wrong. Um, they got to stop them because a screwdriver could kill you. And right? from it's 15 feet away, I think, they can still get you. But by the time you get your gun out, they can move 15 feet and stab you. Did they just say that in the movie? You run from a knife and shoot uh, you go after a gun and run from a knife what, uh, i don't know movie uh, the the irishman i haven't so, seen it yet it's on yeah, my i haven't had dude three, i haven't found three hours did you I, love I it i started it okay i read uh, the book first oh good because oh. now that you're retired you can do that yeah i yeah well, I, the book was amazing and okay. i went by the house where he was allegedly killed uh, i went by there because it's right in the it's right off of who killed uh, jimmy the book's hoffa, a different name it's uh it's called right, steve, does steve know who killed jimmy hoffa i think it was sharon I Ooh. do. I believe the, the guy in the movie. I believe it. Oh, I haven't seen the movie yet. Well, maybe the book too. You gotta find some time. I went there. <laughs> um, I got good a podcast. Book, went by. I know. Go by the house. Went by. Checked it out. I'm like, okay. Went online because someone broke into the house. Apparently, filmed the whole house. And uh, good story. Uh, the whole half of thing. And uh, yeah, I, I do. I believe it. Yeah. And the movie was long. I thought De Niro was okay, but I thought Pesci and uh, uh, Pacino were. All right. This you know, weekend. Yeah, I started it last weekend, but I, it was one of those things. I started at like midnight, no. and I'm like, I can't do it. I'm going to ruin it for myself. I, so I stopped no, it. I got there at one thirty. I picked up my daughter at the airport and said, okay. She goes, you don't watch movies. Because I don't, I don't watch much TV or anything. And my wife and her are going, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to watch this movie. In the middle of the day, I said, yep. Why not? <laughs> I watched it until 4.30. You've earned it. I did. You've earned it. That's good. And on that note, okay. you know, I have a list here of... Ten other things I want to talk to you about, but we're going to do it another day. Fine, if you're willing. I'm fine. You come back. I don't care. I'm good. If you're that you desperate for people, yeah, I'll come <laughs> back. Listen, I think he said you're looking for interesting people. You know I said, what? And you you're found the third me. or fourth police officer we've we've um, or cop. I'm sorry. You're the third or fourth cop. Oh, we've, uh, oh. you like that catch? Yeah, that's yeah that was pretty sharp. Uh, I can give you that. Yeah, um, that we've interviewed, and there's something about the stories. There's something about 
you know. Well, also the news is happening, right? And a lot of the news is about crime, and and it's one thing for us to look at it through our eyes, but for to look at it through a police officer's eyes, uh, someone who's worked it for thirty years, it just doesn't it change. It it in, it enlightens me. I don't understand the chain of command. I don't understand what these cops are supposed to be doing on the scene. Um, I'm learning, and hopefully we're educating and, and making this interesting for other people because it's it's all over the news. And yeah. people listen, and they hear Chief Craig, and then they hear uh, the other stories, and we don't know who to believe, and we're trying to figure it out. I and, um, and when you have a few um, minutes to be able to tell the story, you, you really can't get that from the media, which is pretty cool. So, I mean, when people watch a podcast and they see someone like Steve's going to be here, they're like, oh, I really want to know the inner workings of it all. So you can spend right. some time on it. And all the people we've actually interviewed have been cops. And from now on, that's all we're having is cops. On <laughs> oh, show. No okay. More police officers, okay. No more cops. Only cops. Cops or you're only, not on this show. Yeah. And actually, I want them to wear their body cams, I just decided. Uh, in <laughs> oh, do you? Well, okay. All, all your attorneys wear, right? Every, uh, all your employees and, uh, yeah, wear. I got to have a body cam and a hat. <laughs> and a hat. And a whistle. And a whistle? I don't know. Did you get a whistle when Some you were on the job? When I got to the academy, they gave me a whistle on the billy club. And they took the billy club away, gave you a flashlight, then they took the flashlight away and gave you a mace. We had to buy the flashlight. Yeah. Were you a good shot? I was decent. I was a sharpshooter. I missed uh, expert by one shot. One day we should go to the range. You'll probably weirdly, blow me away. I, I'm weirdly a good shot. My buddy took me there the other day. He had 45s. He had a 9 millimeter, And he's been shooting for 30 years. I got up there my first time ever shooting a pistol. This is in the last four months. I, I I got all in the little zone on, wow. the, on the head and in the chest, and he was all over the place. And I don't know what it is. He, it, what it is, I'm just calm and no bad habits. And yes, and I've never been formally trained, so probably no bad habits. Yeah. But I just took a deep breath. I wasn't shaky, and it was just boom, boom, boom. And I actually, it was really fun because you like, squeeze the trigger and pull it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not bad, but the first time I shot an AK-47, I did not realize what it was going to do. Oh. And I shot and shot, and I put two holes in the ceiling oh, nice. at the range. At Target we Sports, at. I'm sure they loved no, it. No, no, no. We were at, it was a police uh, I'm also uh, good at skeet shooting. Lansing. I could shoot a You know skeet? what? I've I heard cannot. that, and I don't know how you guys do that. I oh. really don't. I've never, I've, a friend of mine said, oh, it's a lot of fun. I go, how, how do you do that? All right. Oh, you well, should try sober. <laughs> try, try, yeah. There's yeah. a couple of. Uh, we're gonna back go. Of the we're all ship. gonna go. We're all gonna do some shooting. You've done um, that? Uh, oh sure, I've been doing it for a long time. Did you hit it? Oh yeah, I can hit eight or nine out of ten. So oh. they shoot. It's it's done in tens. Okay. And um, if you get the first, go up I've, no, I've I've gone on by Drummond Island. <laughs> the backyard. Okay. Well, so there's nice. there's a nice course on Drummond Island that I've been to a few times now. I used to go to a camp up north called um, Camp Michigania, and I used to shoot there. And what happens is they give you 10. That's okay. And if you get all nine, the last one, they give you a messed up one, like a rabbit, <laughs> okay. like along the ground, or they give you just a... Really tested. I never could get the 10th one. So I've never gotten 10 out of 10. But weirdly, I can follow oh. it, and I have good hand-eye coordination. And I think it's because, you know, as a kid, I all I did was play video games. And I think that my hand-eye coordination is oh, really good. Oh, that makes sense. And... I, I'm a good shot, and now I'm playing. Have you have you guys played the new virtual reality games yet? Have you seen these? Have you seen these? So my favorite game is Zombie. There's a zombie killer called Drop Drop Dead <laughs> Drop Zone, okay. and I'm really good at that too. Uh -huh. So, and I don't own a gun. I do not own a gun. Another weird really statistic that nobody cares. Um, okay. And I, I, I don't believe I don't. I'm not gonna say I don't believe in owning gums. I just don't own a gun. Look at all this bonus content we got on this right. episode. This is the extra. We said goodbye. This is the extra. We said goodbye, and now we, we got bonus goodbye. content. Thank you, Steve. Thanks. And uh, enjoy retirement. I'm still working at Cabrini. That's so. true. Enjoy the kids. I am enjoying the kids. Thank you, Kevin. You bet. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Thank you for watching. Open mic with Kevin Dietz and Assistant Chief Steve Dolent today. Fascinating conversation. Uh, we appreciate it. If you liked it or learned something, please share it. Please like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel and have a great day.